Hello, this is Talking Flutes and I'm Claire Southworth and I'm talking again with my collaborator, John Paul Wright. Hello, John Paul. Hello. I left the pausing on purpose, my lady. <laughs> <laughs> you left me hanging. Left me hanging. Yeah, I got my... I couldn't think, I couldn't think of the word, but then collaborator is quite good. Well, I got, my Lon- <laughs> I got my London chimney sweeping voice on today. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm very well, my lady. Very well. Looking forward to our dog mouse has gone to primary school or doggy primary school. And it's the first one that she hasn't been expelled from after an hour. So there you go. Ooh, so we have a, very- we have nine hours free and it, we don't know what not to do. So you know, I, might go, I might go to town and have a coffee and... Nine hours? Yeah, they, they pick her up and then they drop her back and they send photographs during the day of her not enjoying herself. Oh, dear, poor mouse. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, oh. today's going to be a, sort of a, an interesting day. Yeah, so I look forward to that. Well, we were going to discuss um, goal setting and with practice and defining realistic, not fantasy goals. Oh, yeah, that, that's going to be a good one because I'm very much a fantasy goals. And that's why I've always, f- I haven't, <laughs> so, I'm going to say fail, but I've never actually achieved it because in my head, you know, I, there's all these fantasies. You know, there's aren't these unrealistic goals as human yeah. beings. When I was a runner, it was, yeah, I'm going to run you know, this, 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 this. I was very fast, but I never really got as fast. And same with my flute playing. And I remember Wib saying, I went to, a, I was with James Dow and I went to Wib because I wanted to go and study with Wib. And uh, William Bennett said, um, oh, you're a very nice player, but, you know, it, th- there's a hell of a lot more uh, better than you. And, and I was saying, well, can I get better? And he said, I think that's a pure fantasy, young man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but said it beautifully. I, I don't. I can't remember what words I said, but the way he said it was. I think he may have even asked me, well, you know, what's my dream? I, th- I may have said to be a flute player um, or an orchestral player because my in my head, you know, we're talking a long time ago. It was, you know, that's what you wanted to be, and there was this fantasy of doing it, but there was no reality there. And I think he he. I credit him with actually giving me a bit of realism. To say, actually, yeah, there is. Understand where you where you sit. Be realistic. Mm-hmm. Push the goals. Try and get where you go, but be realistic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm on the fantasy side. I I always will be. I think this is it's a really difficult topic that you've just brought up there because there are a lot of flute players who think, oh yes, I'm going. I want to be a flute player. I want to be a soloist. I want to go and play in the orchestras. Um, but aren't re- aren't realistic because they don't have the knowledge. And I think it's really getting the knowledge that's important so that you can make the right choices. So, but, you know, when you're at school, and it doesn't matter which country you're in, there's a set syllabus or curriculum and you, you work through various topics and then at the end of a, a particular time you take an exam, which tells you whether you understood that topic and then you gradually work through these topics so you complete the curriculum or the syllabus. Now, in music, it's very different. So, I mean, in, you know, you might have done your exams, your, your academic exams and, and got results. You know where you are. If you want to go to university, you know what grades you need to do certain things. And you know whether you've, you're excelling at certain subjects. 
in music, it's a lot different because you don't always have that same support network around you. So you might just have your own private teacher who might not have the contacts within the wider flute world. And then you think, I'm going to be a flute soloist, and you apply for college, and then you get this crushing rejection from everywhere you go and audition. And it's crushing because you thought that's what you were going to be and you want to be a soloist. So you go to college to study to be a soloist, but you had no idea that you had, you weren't anywhere near the standard that's needed. So it's a case of making your, getting yourself informed. So if you're wanting to take your flute further, you need to inform yourself. So you need to listen, listen to other flute players, go on flute courses, go for consultation lessons, just get as much advice as you can to see where you stand. So if you're near a big city where there's a conservatoire, generally speaking, you can go and listen to masterclasses. So talk to the conservatoire and go and listen to the flute masterclasses. I mean, mostly they're free, but it means that you understand where the first year students are in terms of their level. And then you get an idea of where you stand in relation to that level. Of course, there are exceptions. When you hear things like these, one of these talent shows, is it The X Factor? You've, you've watched that, haven't you, JP? Sadly, I have to own up to that, yes. Yeah. So you watch The X Factor, and it's been on for years, and it's been in different countries. And, and, and a lot of other sort of get famous quick programmes where you, you go and do something, you know, show your talent. And on The X Factor, which was singing... You get people auditioning who can't, couldn't even hold a tune, yet they had no idea they couldn't hold a tune. And that they put themselves out in that sort of big arena to be, and then get laughed at. Now, that's the worst thing that can possibly happen. You need to be realistic much earlier on, which is why you've got to listen and then listen to yourself. So recording, we've talked in previous podcasts, record yourself and then ask yourself, right, how do I, how do I compare Am I doing the right sorts of things? And try and get a curriculum of work that helps you achieve those things. Now, life and work balance is terribly important. So you could, you could stay in a room practicing for hours a day. It'll probably stifle your improvement. Your powers of musical interpretation and development, well, it develops through living and experiencing life and all it has to offer. I've talked before about planning to practice and planning not to practice so that you never feel guilty. So yes, you need consistent work, but you've got to have this life work balance all the time and to be realistic in what you're doing. A bit of a waffle, JP. Sorry about that. I am, no, but I, I, I get it. I think if you if you're in the practice room practicing for hours and hours and hours a day, you then you tend to lose foresight into where you sit. Ultimately, if you want to come out and be a flute player of any type, you're going to have to play with other people, whether it's a piano, a chamber orchestra, orchestra, or even if you're good enough to be a soloist, and there's very, very few flute players that travel the world being a soloist because I think the opportunities are very little. But you need to get out of that practice room and you need to form little groups and you need to understand that... If you're playing in a, if you're at music college or you're even at a school listening to this, form a little quintet and play with other instrumentalists. You'll quickly hear where you sit 
even though they're playing different instruments, you'll understand where they are and you are in relation to them. And I think that the realism is very, very important, but extremely difficult because we are led by what people tell us. As you, you rightly said, you know, on X Factor and on Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent, they ask that question, why are you here? Oh, because my friends or my granny or my mum says I'm really good. Mm. And that's great. I know we need to have that validation. And yeah. when we go to a concert, if they love it, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter that you're not the best in the world. But in putting down goals, there has to be a realism. And that can't come necessarily from those near and dear to you because it's the big wide world. Because they're not the realistic ones. And, you know, I'm a great believer that if you're, if you're really passionate about something, mm-hmm. I believe you can succeed. And if you're yeah. passionate, you embrace everything that's around there. So you will have been listening. You will have been going mm-hmm. out into the big wide world and listening to concerts and going to classes and going to summer schools or watching online, something like that. I think also very important that everyone needs a backup plan because this is a very, very competitive world. It's a very competitive field. You must have a backup plan. So get your academic studies done because there's no guarantee that you can get into that next level. And if you want to go to a conservatoire and you don't get in, it doesn't mean you won't be that flute player. You won't make flute playing your life, but it means at that particular point in time, you're not of the right level. So you've got to have that backup plan, but keep being passionate about your hobby and your goals. So you work at getting better for the next stage, which is after maybe university, after three years, you go and audition again for conservatoire. So it's having a backup plan. And if you're not living and breathing your passion, then maybe it's not your passion and maybe it's not for you and keep it as a hobby and love it and keep it as a hobby. That is a very, very key point and one that that you cannot, you cannot lie. If you go and look at yourself in a mirror in the bathroom and you say, right, is the flute my passion? If you haven't, if you don't do what you've just said, if you're not leave it, living and breathing it, it isn't your passion. And yeah. then if it isn't your passion, because music is an art, one of the art forms, you're really going to struggle to actually reach this fantasy you have. I remember Ian Clark once, when I first found out that Ian Clark, the flute player and composer and flute professor, went to university to study mathematics, I was really shocked. You know, he's a mathematician. There are lots of mathematicians who are fabulous musicians. Yeah, absolutely. Goes hand in hand. So that word mm. is... The fantasy comes with whether you're embracing, as you've just said, whether it is your life and whether you're breathing it, music. If you are and you have this single-pointed focus and you're doing everything, then I think the future can open. There can be chinks in the music world that can open up to enable you to get in because ultimately you've got to take opportunities when they arise because if you don't take opportunities, then it it drops you back. But realistic is... Your gut tells you what realism is. Yeah. And also the passion of a subject or, or a hobby or an activity means that you you do it for many hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that putting in those hours means that you develop it and you you progress. So it's it's putting in the work. I mean, we could deviate a little bit into practice if you like. Obviously, the amount of practice you do is totally dependent on your your level and your aspirations. 
So a beginner is going to tire very easily. So a beginner could be hugely enthusiastic and passionate, but you tire very, very quickly and little and often will will work much better than doing loads. So maybe up to 30 minutes a day is, is perfect. Bad habits, habits creep in when you're tired, no matter what your level is. Progress as a beginner, obviously, is generally very fast. So a little practice results in really steady improvements. As you progress, practice needs to increase in order to achieve the same sort of level of improvement. And you start to need a little bit more discipline. And it's that's also affected by your teacher's attitude and your teacher's motivation within your lessons. It's difficult talking about teachers because we're, we're all teachers and we... We don't want to be insulting, but just because you have lessons, it doesn't mean that you learn. If you don't have a rapport with your teacher, it could be difficult to learn at the, at the best level. And teachers communicate in different ways. So if you don't feel that you're getting the most out of your teacher, then move on. Students move from teachers all the time. And um, sometimes you might be really lucky and you just find someone that just inspires you and motivates you and you just make fantastic progress. But if you're not inspired and progressing and you've given it a good amount of time, then you have to think about maybe moving on. But I'm not a fan of those students who go six months with one person, six months with another, and six months with another, because you don't develop any personality or individuality. So I'm not a fan of that either. So I'm talking about the sort of the two extremes here. But... Having an encouraging and motivational teacher is really important. If you think back to school days, you know, I know a lot of people who took up a, a particular subject to make their life's work because of a motivational teacher. So, you know, it's, the teacher is really, really important. The best teachers are very flexible in their approach, adapting to individual needs. So um, it's such an important part. But remember, teaching doesn't necessarily equal learning. It's the communication that equals the, the learning so that you understand what's going on. And that lights the, the passion within. And I think that segues us in to a difficult question for you to answer, but not one for me, which is what impresses us listening to flute players? Now, yeah. as that's, this is a really hard one. And for me, I'll start this off, Claire, because Thank know, you. I wrote it down. For me... It changes. It changes how what impresses me changes with the environment, the the age, the how I'm feeling at that time, what they can do with the instrument. And impress is it's probably the wrong word. It is what do I feel when I listen to flute players? Because I've come out of recitals with really well established flute players and soloists, in fact, very well known ones and been uninspired it was good but I didn't feel that sort of that little funny feeling in my tummy you know the hairs didn't go up on the back of my neck and yet I could go and listen to uh, an undergraduate recital and just something magic happens so for me what impresses me or what is what passion I can feel so they're not just playing the notes there is they're, they're conveying something. And you had on, we did a replay of the, the brilliant Wissam Bustani two weeks or three weeks ago. And when you listen to Wissam play, it is all about passion. 
It is all about, you can feel the passion. You don't need to, when you watch him, you get it in sort of bucket loads. But when you listen mm. to his playing on an mm. audio track, you can feel it. And for me, passion is, whether you're the best flute player or not, if I can hear passion, that impresses me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I could say in a negative way that I'm not often impressed. And now that, that's, that's totally understandable. <laughs> it's, it's actually easier to say what I find unattractive mm -hmm. than to say what I find attractive. So I don't like people moving. I don't like people moving too much. I don't like constant loud playing, one tone colour. I don't like a lack of melodic lines, a lack of musical intelligence, a lack of knowledge about genres and styles, playing everything the same way. What I want to hear is, like you were saying, the emotional communication. So that is my number one criteria uh, for what impresses me. Emotional communication, beautiful sounds, expression, subtlety and variety of color and dynamic, clarity of thought, uh, musicianship, playing in technicolor, but something that moves me, something that touches me. And um, uh, I, was at, I was at college with Wissam and whenever he played, it sort of felt like everything stopped. You just latched on to what he was doing because he, he just communicated in everything, in everything he did, you know, totally expressive. It might not be to everyone's like, because you could say sometimes it could be too expressive. So, I mean, if you're, I suppose if you're sitting in an orchestra, you've got to sort of blend in to your section and to the genre so that you don't stand out too much. But I would far rather hear a Wissam play than a non-Wissam play because it, it speaks to me and I'm just mesmerized, mesmerized by it. So it's, it's that, it's the musical intelligence and the variety of all the techniques. And it, it doesn't matter then about mistakes because we all make mistakes, but mistake isn't noticeable if the expression is really communicating to you. Well, when I wrote that, what I was probably getting at is what impresses me or what do I feel when I'm listening to singers or what impresses me when I listen to, and I very rarely listen to brass players, but if I listen to a brass player and <laughs> well, I'm so used to sitting in front of them and you know that you end up getting deaf because they, they tend to mess around a lot, don't they? But what impresses me if I'm listening to a violin player and it is almost solely the emotional intelligence of the communication within that piece and so yeah playing the flute fast it's, it's actually an easy thing to do but creating that emotional bond with yourself and the audience is for me the key to transformation of yourself as a flute player so there are lots of good flute players around the world that will impress me and there are a lot of amateur flute players that will impress, impress me because they can play something really, really simple, but it's just full of emotion. Yeah, I've got a pet gripe now, JP. <laughs> the, the internet is full of a lot of very young performers, not just flute, playing 
incredibly fast or complicated works. And everyone's going, oh, that's absolutely fabulous, wonderful, just, you know, totally brilliant. And I'm thinking, that is just terrible. It's all about, it seems to be there's a, there's a lot of uh, emphasis on playing loud and fast. And there's no music. So you hear these young players who've obviously got a talent because obviously they won't be able to play these pieces. But there's not an ounce of musicianship musicality of thought going on. So what I would like to hear, anyone listening, I would like to hear a, a barrage of young players playing slow, beautiful melodies so that you're, you're hearing incredible, incredible musicianship because I want to be impressed by musicianship, not by speed. And I know it's not the, it's not the thing, but that would impress me far, far more. It reminds me of Peter Lloyd, the most incredible flute player musician. He was principal flute of the BBC Northern and for many, many years, his main job was the London Symphony Orchestra. And he always used to say that, I want to hear something beautifully phrased rather than just notes. And often at the end of auditions, he would just say, oh, could you just play me this tune? And you think, well, I wonder why. It's because then he would hear whether you were actually communicating something. And he was all for someone who could phrase, not someone who could just play all the notes. So please, internet, let's get flooded with young, talented players playing the slow, the slow tunes from their pieces, not the fast technical passages. Well, there's a challenge for everybody, isn't it? There's a vulnerability there. Yeah, let's flood the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and Claire, the the last question today is, I just put it there because after nearly five years of our weekly podcasts and well into the 230s now, I believe, do you think, the listeners should tell us, but do you think they are still relevant and how can we find new content ideas? And what do the listeners want to hear, if anything? <laughs> That's a lot of podcasts, isn't it? It is. It's a lot of podcasts. It's massive. We, we've spoken to a lot of people. We, there's been a lot of variety because we've had um, conversations with lots of individuals from all genres. You've done a lot of, of world music, South American music, jazz the sort of the alternative yeah. flute players and i've done the more the more serious classical and then we've done i've talked about aspects of technique about we i've picked individual pieces to do very brief interpretation ideas we've answered tons and tons of questions that the listeners have sent in so i think we've been varied but we know, because we've talked about it, that the, the difficulty of thinking of contents and, and ideas is getting harder and harder. And we don't, want to, we don't want to bore people. So it's difficult to know whether it's still relevant. And as with all things, when it, you're the ones doing it, it's very difficult to be realistic about what we're doing and know whether that we're, we're still being relevant. 
So it's sort of like a rhetorical question, isn't it? Because we don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean, if you look at data, we still have sort of four or five thousand downloads a week, which and, and that is, I mean, it's all measured on downloads, not streams, which is really weird um, because the streams are those that you listen when you're sort of live you, and it, you don't get a download number; it's just a stream. But the analytics that we get from you know, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, Audible, and even on the, the the hosting website is just on downloads. So we're getting numbers, and that's really a big audience. But and we've had millions, haven't we? Yeah, we've had millions of streams. But it is we and we've yeah we've spoken, and we want to re, we want to remain relevant. So we are in. We really do need your help, listeners. We need your help. Tell us what we need to do to. Because we, as we said, 230 odd podcasts, we've covered so much and we don't want to be revisiting old things. We're in the process of building a website which will categorise everything so they won't be lost. And I'm sure if we start repeating ourselves, there'll be some of our listeners who say, well, actually, in podcast 35, you answered the same question (laughs) as you did in podcast 136. There's going to be crossover all the time and we'll have repeated ourselves tons of times. But I suppose the idea of a podcast is that you just listen on the go and you listen to that week and then you you go on to the the next week, you listen to to the new one. But I think we've got so much important information in the almost five years of podcasts that if they were categorized and listed so that someone's thought, oh, well, I want to go and listen to something about articulation, or I want to go and listen to We Some Bustani talk, that they could pick it out and go and listen to them. I think that's, it's a bit, we're becoming a bit like a library. I think that would be incredibly yeah. useful and relevant if we're able to do that. So everybody, we're not after an easy way out here. We're actually wanting your help to continue because we enjoy doing it. And it's always nice to pop down to the seaside where Claire is. And we just, yeah, we need your input. We need your creative input. Otherwise, you're going to get stupid podcasts from me and, more importantly, relevant podcasts from Claire. But we want to make sure that you're guiding Talking Flute's ship. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to a, a nice end, JP. It's been great to talk to you again. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. And for those listening, please message us on our Facebook page, Talking Flutes, and tell us what you'd like to hear or messages on Twitter and Instagram at flute or at Claire Flute. And, um, or email us at flutepodcasts at gmail.com. And until the next time, thanks for listening. And thanks to you, JP. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And a quick shout out to our sponsors on the podcast, which is 2J Flutes. And you can find them on Instagram at 2J Flutes, Facebook at Trevor James Flutes. And thanks to all the team there for their constant loyal support. And thank you to you, Claire, for joining in this Zoom call today. Apologies I couldn't get down, but things happen and... Well, actually, the uh, the car's being fixed because I knocked it yesterday. But we won't go into that. <laughs> Take care, Claire, and thank you, everybody.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.